Welcome to Stories from Among the Stars. You're listening to A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. Chapter 7 The Wild It is difficult for anyone born and raised in human infrastructure to truly internalize the fact that your view of the world is backward. Even if you fully know that you live in a natural world that existed before you and will continue long after, even if you know that the wilderness is the default state of things, and that nature is not something that only happens in carefully curated enclaves between towns, something that pops up in empty spaces if you ignore them for a while, even if you spend your whole life believing yourself to be deeply in touch with the ebb and flow, the cycle, the ecosystem as it actually is, you will still have trouble picturing an untouched world. You will still struggle to understand that human constructs are carved out and overlaid, that these are the places that are the in-between, not the other way around. This is the cognitive shift that Dex ran headlong into as they straddled their bike on the old road and stared at the place where the asphalt disappeared. There had been a landslide at some point years before, decades before, who could say? A whole chunk of the mountain had lost cohesion, erasing the paved line hewn by human hands. This wasn't a matter of the road being damaged. There was no indication that there'd ever been a road beyond the ragged edge that Dex and Mosscap stood at. Whatever hunks of asphalt had broken off were thoroughly swallowed by rock and soil, both of which had been claimed in full by thriving communities of ferns, trees, roots, and lichen. I'm sorry, sibling Dex, Mosscap said. Dex said nothing in reply. They stared at the chaotic jumble ahead of them, trying to understand the feeling smoldering within their chest. There was disappointment in there, and dismay, too. But as they unwrapped the snarl, the bulk of what they found was anger, constantly doubling itself like cells dividing. The anger wasn't directed at the situation, but at the suggestion that this meant giving up. I can't go farther, they had thought upon arriving at this spot. And when they protested at this, the logical part of them explained, the road is gone. The wagon can't travel through there. This is it. The road was gone. The wagon couldn't travel. The longer those observations sat, the more decks fumed. The place ahead was simply the world, as the world had always been and would always be. Dex was, presumably, a part of it, a product of it, a being inextricably tied to its machinations, and yet, faced with the prospect of entering the world unaided, unaltered, Dex felt helpless. Hopeless. A turtle on its back. Legs waving futilely in the air. Dex glared at the missing road, glared at themselves. They kicked the brakes down and marched into the wagon. Oh, I'm so disappointed, Mosscap said, still outside. 
and I really am sorry, as I said, I haven't been out this way in some time, and I've never been up this road before. I had no idea it was in such... What are you doing? Dex was digging around in the wagon, backpack in hand. They packed water bottle and filter, of course, and first aid, obviously. Socks, probably. They could ditch the socks if need be. Sibling Dex. Soap, no. Jewelry, no. Trinkets, gods around. Why did they have so much stuff? Dex continued to cram things into the bag, uncaring about how any of it was folded or stacked. A full change of clothes was too much. Or was it? They jammed in pants and a shirt, just in case. Mosscap stuck its head into the wagon. What are you doing? Dex stood in front of their pantry cupboard, thinking. It would have been a half a day's ride to the hermitage. So without the bike, on foot, sibling Dex? No, Mosscap said. Two days, Dex thought, maybe three. They grabbed protein bars, salted nuts, dried fruit, jerky, chocolate, Maybe you got the wrong impression when we went off trail before, Mosscap's voice was nervous. That was a couple of hours in an easy stretch of forest. I don't know what's out here. I've never been here. It's not on you, Dex said. They added a pocket charger for their computer and a spare blanket, then zipped up the bag. They shuttered the wagon's windows one by one. I don't understand, Mosscap said. Why is this so important? Something in Dex prickled furiously at the question. A secretive creature that did not wish to be poked. They climbed back out of the wagon with conviction. Mosscap jumped out of the way. You don't have to come, Dex said. We were going to part ways after the hermitage anyway. You've been very kind in helping me. But I've kept you from your thing, and you should get to it. Mosscap stood helplessly as Dex locked the wagon. Sibling Dex, I, Dex shouldered their pack and pulled the straps tight. They looked up at the robot towering above them. I'm going, they said. Mosscap's eyes went dark for a moment. When the blue light returned, it was a little dimmer than before. Okay, Mosscap said. Then let's go. The human body can adapt to almost anything, but it is deceptively selective about the way it does so. Dex had thought themselves in good shape. They had spent years pedaling through Panga. They were demonstrably fit. And yet, after a full day of scrabbling their way up a trailless hill, climbing over logs, down gullies, cautiously finding their footing across rock paths, muscles that had been resting easy for years objected loudly to finding themselves drop-kicked into such an unexpected task. Dex didn't care. Their palms and forearms were scraped and bloody. Dex didn't care. Bloodsucks were taking full advantage of the feast at hand. A blister was forming on their foot, a spot unaccustomed to being rubbed by a shoe in an unfamiliar angle. The sky was getting darker. The air was getting thinner. The mountain seemed to go on forever. Dex didn't care. Mosscap said nearly nothing as the two went along, aside from the occasional quiet suggestion of, this way looks easier, or mind that route. Dex resented the robot's company. They did not want Mosscap there. They did not want anyone there. They wanted to climb the fucking mountain, 
because they had decided they would. And then, when they got to the hermitage, then, then... Dex gritted their teeth and hauled themselves over a boulder, ignoring the gaping hole at the end of that statement. Welts began to rise where the bloodsucks had fed. Sweat poured from Dex's itching skin, soaking the red and brown cloth that was already caked with dirt. Dex could smell themselves, musky and acrid. They thought of the sweet mint soap in their wagon, the fluffy red towel, the trusty camp shower that really wasn't anything special but was always there for them. They thought of their chair, their fire drum, their beautiful, beautiful bed. And what did we do before beds? Dex thought angrily. What did we do before showers? The human species did just fine for hundreds of thousands of years without any of that, so why can't you? It began to rain. I think we should find shelter, Mosscap said. It looked up at the sky. Those clouds aren't going anywhere anytime soon, and it will be dark in an hour. Dex began to climb another rock, hands and feet seeking scraps of purchase, cold rain soaking the last patches of clothing that had managed to avoid their sweat. This time, Mosscap did not follow. It stood at the bottom of the rock, watching in bafflement. Why are you doing this? It asked. Dex said nothing. Why did you come out here? The robot's voice rose impatiently. Why are you here, sibling Dex? I'm trying to climb, Dex snapped a few feet above. Stop distracting me. Did something happen to you? No. Did someone drive you away? No. They reached up. There was a small crack that looked decent, but the rain had made the rock slick. Dex's fingers slipped from the water, shook from the strain. You have friends in the city, Mosscap said. You have family in Haydale. Why did you leave? Did they hurt you? No. Do they miss you? Gods, will you? Do they love you? Shut up. The words echoed against the rocks. And as they bounced, Dex lost their grip. It wasn't so much a fall as a skid. Their body managed to catch varied angles and points, slowing their speed but tearing at cloth and skin. Dex felt the impact before they understood what it was hard, yes, and painful, yes, but uniform, bracing, metallic. Moss cap. The robot wrapped its arms around Dex's body, absorbing the descent, and they both crashed backward onto the muddy ledge below. Dex rolled free of the robot's grasp, collapsing shakily into the muck that surrounded them. Mosscap sat up quickly, its plating spattered with mud. Are you all right? The robot cried. Dex sat in the mud, cold rain hammering down, insect bites burning, bruises and scrapes screaming, muscles weeping and heart trembling. They panted. They tried to steady themselves, slowly, silently, as though it were an afterthought. Dex began to cry. I don't know, Dex said their voice shaking. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know. Mosscap got up on its knees and held out a hand to Dex. Come on, sibling Dex. Let's, 
I don't know, Dex cried. They beat the mud once with their hands, frustrated, furious, crying full-bodied now. They looked at Mosscap, angry and raw. Mosscap's hand remained outstretched. Come on, it said. Its voice was easy, steady, used to sharing space with wolves and bears and small, frightened things. The rain fell harder. Dex let the robot help them up, and the two got to their feet. Mosscap walked. Dex followed. Where it led, they did not care. Children's stories had lied about caves. In folklore and fairy tales, heroes who took refuge in such places made them sound like the most appealing nooks in the world. Cozy, adventurous, essentially natural bedrooms that lacked furniture. None of that was true about the cave Dex followed Mosscap into. It was craggy and dark, uncomfortably angled. A stagnant smell emanated from nowhere in particular. Dex could not identify it and did not want to. A fragile ribcage of something extremely dead lay without ceremony on the floor, a few tufts of limp fur scattered around unwanted by whatever had crunched the bones clean. The best thing anyone could say about the cave was that it was dry. Under the circumstances, that would do. Shivering, Dex peeled off their clothes, lay them flat on the least suspicious-looking rock they could find, and gave silent thanks to Alalea for their own decision that a change of clothes and a blanket were worth packing. The sun was setting outside, but there were no pinks or reds to be seen, just a dark forest growing darker. The hair on the back of Dex's neck prickled. They thought they knew what it was to spend a night outside. On the tea route, they spent far more nights camped out than they did in village guesthouses. But there, they had their wagon, their boundary against the world. Here, listening to the rainfall, watching the light vanish, Dex began to understand why the concept of inside had been invented in the first place. Again, their mind wandered to the people who had come before them, who had nothing but caves such as these to huddle inside. It had worked for them. It had to have worked, in order for them to go so long without coming up with the idea of walls. But for Dex, this was not enough. This was scary. This was dangerous. This was stupid. So stupid. They glanced at the bones on the floor, the hair on their neck raised taut. Such fear was a remnant, as the robot would say. Or maybe, Dex countered, just common fucking sense. Mosscap was seated opposite them, cross-legged, hands folded in its lap. Should we make a fire? It asked. I could gather wood. Dex let out a sad disparaging laugh, directed at themselves, not the robot. I don't know how to make a wood fire, they said. Ah, Mosscap said sadly. Me neither. It looked at its hands, spreading the fingers wide. One by one, the lights on Mosscap's fingertips lit up. Does that help? It's not warm, but... That helps, Dex said, and meant it. Ten tiny lights didn't seem like much, but Dex felt their hair lower just a touch, 
They sat on the floor. Rocks poked unkindly into their backside. They pulled their knees up to their chest, wrapping their arms around their legs and resting their chin on their knees. Something within them loosened, vanished, gave up. With neither reason nor clear intent, they started talking. I have it so good, so absurdly, improbably good. I didn't do anything to deserve it, but I have it. I'm healthy. I've never gone hungry. And yes, to answer your question, I'm... I'm loved. I lived in a beautiful place, did meaningful work. The world we made out there, Moss Cap, it's... It's nothing like what your originals left. It's a good world, a beautiful world. It's not perfect, but we fixed so much. We made a good place, struck a good balance, and yet every fucking day in the city I woke up hollow and, and just tired, you know? So I did something else instead. I packed up everything and I learned a brand new thing from scratch. And gods, I worked hard for it. I worked really hard. I thought if I can just do that, if I can do it well, I'll feel okay. And guess what? I do do it well. I'm good at what I do. I make people happy. I make people feel better. And yet I still wake up tired. Like, like something's missing. I tried talking to friends and family and nobody got it. So I stopped bringing it up. And then I just stopped talking to them altogether because I couldn't explain and I was tired of pretending like everything was fine. I went to doctors to make sure I wasn't sick and that my head was okay. I read books and monastic texts and everything I could find. I threw myself into my work. I went to all the places that used to inspire me. I listened to music and looked at art. I exercised and had sex and got plenty of sleep and ate my vegetables and still, still, something is missing. Something is off. So how fucking spoiled am I then? How fucking broken? What is wrong with me that I can have everything I could ever want and have ever asked for and still wake up in the morning feeling like every day is a slog? Mosscap listened to Dex, listened with intense focus. When it spoke, it did so with equal care. I don't know, it said. Dex sighed. I don't expect you to know. I'm just talking. They rested their cheek on their knees, watching the dark beyond the cave settle in. Did you think the hermitage would help in some way? Mosscap said. I don't know. It was just this, this crazy idea that popped into my head on a day when the thought of going down the same road and doing the same thing one more time made me feel like I was going to implode. It was the first idea in forever that made me feel excited, made me feel awake. And I've been so desperate for that feeling, so desperate to just enjoy the world again that I... You followed a road you hadn't seen, Mosscap said. Yeah. The rain poured incessantly outside, nearly drowning out the mechanical hum of Mosscap thinking. The robot extended one of its glowing fingers and began drawing absent squiggles on the dirty floor. 
Maybe I'm the wrong one for this. Dex looked up. The wrong one for what? Mosscap shrugged, its head bowed. How am I supposed to answer the question of what humans need if I can't even determine what one human needs? Oh, hey, no, Dex sat up straight. Mosscap, you, I, I have been asking myself that question for years. You've been around me for six days. You're, this isn't on you. If you don't understand me, that doesn't mean you're not right for this. I don't understand me. What you need is to go talk to people who aren't me. It's like I've said all along, I'm not the right person for you. Down in the villages, you'll find someone better, someone smart, someone who isn't a mess, someone who doesn't do shit like this. They gestured broadly at the cave, the bruises, the soiled clothes drying on a musty rock. Gods, why did I do this? They laced their hands in their hair and exhaled deeply. I didn't think ahead either, Mosscap said. When I volunteered, I mean. The question was asked, and I said yes. And I didn't think about what it would involve. I simply wanted to go. I didn't think for a minute about what would come next. Yeah, Dex said. I get that. Neither said anything for a while. The rain drummed down, no longer visible. What will you do, Mosscap said, when the rain stops? I'm going to finish it, Dex said. Mosscap nodded. And then? I don't know. They shivered and wrapped their blanket tighter around themselves. Are you cold? A little. Dex made an awkward face in the dim light. Mostly just scared. Of what? The dark, I guess. I know that sounds stupid. No, it doesn't. You're diurnal. I'd be surprised if you weren't afraid of the dark. Mosscap considered something. I'm not warm, it said. But would you feel less afraid if we sat closer together? Dex looked at the floor. Maybe, they said. Mosscap made room. I think I would too, it said quietly. Dex got up and walked the few steps over to Mosscap's side. The rocks in the floor were no less pokey, the weird smell no less cloying. But as they sat back down, living arm pressed lightly against metal, a thread of fear let go. Do robots hold hands? Dex asked. Is that a thing for you? It's not, Mosscap said. But I'd very much like to try. Dex offered an open palm, and Mosscap took it. The robot's hand was so much bigger, but the two fit together all the same. Dex exhaled and squeezed the metal digits tightly. And as they did so, the lights on Mosscap's fingertips made their skin glow red. Oh my, Mosscap cried. Is that? It pulled Dex's hand up and pressed one of its fingertips to theirs. 
bringing out the red more intensely. Is that your blood? Mosscap looked enthralled. I've never thought to do this with an animal before. I mean, I can't imagine one would let me get close enough to. Its eyes flickered. Its face fell. This isn't the point of holding hands, is it? It said, embarrassed, already knowing the answer. No, Dex said with a kind laugh. But it's cool. Go ahead. Are you sure? Dex held up their palm. Fingers spread wide. Yeah, they said, and let the robot study them. Chapter 8, The Summer Bear The rain stopped during the night, though Dex had been unaware of it doing so. They were likewise unsure of when they'd properly fallen asleep. There had been many attempts, failed by the cold or the rocks or rustling behind the rainfall. What scraps of rest had occurred between these unkind wakings had been shallow and skittering. But apparently at some point, their brain had shut down, for a few short hours anyway. They awoke not to discomfort or potential danger, but to sunlight and birdsong, and to finding themselves curled in a ball on the cave floor, their head resting on Mosscap's leg. Oh, Dex said groggily, sitting up fast. Sorry. Mosscap cocked its head. Why? Uh, just, uh, Dex tried to shake off the fog of sleep. They cleared their throat and smacked their lips. The inside of their mouth felt disgusting, and the rest of their body wasn't faring much better. They looked around for their backpack and, upon finding it, retrieved their water bottle and drank deeply. There wasn't much water left. They'd worry about that later. Does your hair always do that when you wake up? Mosscap asked. Dex raised a hand to their head and assessed the gravity-defying swoop sticking up like a clump of spun sugar. Ish, they said. They combed the mess with their fingers as best they could. The robot leaned forward with interest. Did you dream? Dex took another sip of water, more sparingly this time. Yeah, they said. What of? I don't remember. I don't understand. How do you know that you dreamed if you don't remember it? It's hard to explain. Dex dug around in their pack, found two protein bars, tossed one to Mosscap, and tore ravenously into their own. Dreams are there while you're sleeping, but gone as soon as the rest of your brain kicks in. Always, Mosscap asked, holding the unwrapped protein bar idly. Not always, but most of the time. Hmm, Mosscap said. It pondered this and gave a wistful shrug. I wish I could understand experiences I'm incapable of having. Me too. Dex got to their feet, muscles grumbling, blisters making their existence known. Had folded in a way it wasn't meant to, and their palms were chafed from climbing. They staggered to the cave entrance, and the sight beyond rendered them silent. They didn't know where they were, but the world outside was magnificent. The yellow morning sky was smudged with the shadows of last night's clouds, 
and toward the horizon, thick gray curtains revealed where the rain had gone. Motan was setting, the faint stripes of its mighty storms sinking below the horizon for another day. Below, the Keskin forest spread without seeming end. Dex could not see the broken road, nor the villages, nor anything that hinted of a world other than this. They could not remember ever before feeling quite so small. Mosscap appeared behind and gazed outward with them. It should only take us a few hours from here, it said. Do you still wish to finish this? Yeah, Dex said. I do. The feeling behind their words was no longer a furious need, driven by neither rhyme nor reason, but simply an inevitability, a surrender. They had come this far, they would see this through. A sign rose out of the undergrowth. Its letters were long gone, its message lost to time. But the existence of a human-made object sparked an alertness in Dex. They knew there were no people there, no assistance if needed. That didn't matter. There was a sign in the ground where someone had placed it. People had been there once, and some raw impulse within Dex latched on to that fact. Though they knew it unwise, they couldn't help but feel just a little less lost in the woods. There was a path, too. Not a road, but a stone ramp winding up and up. After a day and a half of trekking through the anarchy of untouched forest, Dex's feet met the orderly walkway with profound gratitude. It was still a climb, but a far simplified one. Dex found it dangerously easy to understand why their ancestors had wanted to pave the world over. The top of the ramp came more quickly than expected. Dex had known where they were going, yet the sight that popped into view stunned them into stillness all the same. Oh my, Mosscap said. The heart's brow hermitage had been beautiful once. Dex could see it if they pushed their eyes past the weathered decay. It was a single-story building with a large dome at the center, orbited by attached rooms that clustered and spread flower-like. These were roofed with concentric rings that alternated between abandoned turf planters and antiquated solar panels. Dex imagined how the roofs had looked in their day. Glossy blue contrasted with buzzing green, an attractive striped mosaic made of things that drew life from light. The stone walls below had been sparkling white, free of the peppered lichen that now lay upon it like a burial shroud. The wooden accents framing it all were silvered, but Dex could picture them in warm, embracing red. A courtyard spread out before the building, artfully filled with trellises and planters. The garden was overgrown now, the fountains, within it, long run dry. Dex couldn't easily define what they felt as they looked at the place. On the one hand, sustainable dwellings like this were the progenitors of the buildings people lived in now. And it was important to remember that such places had existed pre-transition. Not everything in the factory age burned oil. There had been those who had seen the writing on the wall, 
who had made places such as this to serve as example of what could be. But these were merely islands in a toxic sea. The good intentions of a few individuals had not been enough, could never have been enough, to upend a paradigm entirely. What the world had needed, in the end, was to change everything. They had narrowly averted disaster thanks to a catalyst no one could have predicted. Splendid speckled moss cap wandered through the human-made courtyard, its human-made feet clanking on the paving, its heirloom eyes surveying the building's central dome. Oh, sibling Dex, this is wonderful, the robot said reverently. I've never seen a place like this. Dex wandered, running their fingers across overgrown benches, feeling present and history blur once more. Does it scare you? Dex asked. Like the factory? No, Mosscap said. Not at all. Both of their meanderings led them in time to the building. The walls were worn with weather, cracked with root and vine, but within them were windows of stained glass, largely intact. Dex reached a trembling finger out to touch the panes. Even faded, Dex could make out the shapes and stories. There was Panga, orbiting Moton in a burst of sunlight. There were the gods, their circle unbroken. There were the people trying to understand. Mosscap stood contemplating the rotting wooden doors that separated out from in. Perhaps I should go first, it said. There's no telling what's in there. Dex nodded in agreement, despite their irrational surety that nothing in there could possibly be wrong. That this place was good, so intrinsically good, that it housed nothing but love and safety, even in its ruin. The robot pushed the doors open gently. Their hinges cried out but held steady. Beyond the threshold lay an entry chamber, curved like a horseshoe to either side, with a staircase on each end. An open archway stood in the middle of this, and Dex and Mosscap went through to the inner sanctum. A fire pit was sunk in the center, blanketed with arboreal debris. This was surrounded by stone benches, and from these branched nesting channels in which water had once flowed. Three footbridges overlaid the waterways, leading in turn to three distinct doors. Above each of these was carved a symbol— a sunjay to the right, a sugar bee to the left, and a summer bear straight ahead. Dex let out a shaky breath. Mosscap took note of the doorways, then stood musing. Is this typical? it asked. Is what typical? Mosscap nodded at the carvings. A tremendous amount of effort went into building in such a remote spot. Yet it's a shrine for only half of the Pantheon. Would a twin building for the other three have existed elsewhere? Dex's brow furrowed with confusion. This is the whole Pantheon. The robot was confused. It pointed to each door, as if Dex were missing something obvious. Samafar, Chal, Alalea. Where are the parent gods? 
Dex gestured at the room they stood in. Right here. They pointed at the dry moats, filled with decrepit filters and pumps. These are for Bosch. They would have been aquaponic ponds back in the day. Fish to eat, plants to filter the gray water, and see. They moved their finger through the air, tracing the perfect curves the waterways formed. The robot lightly smacked its forehead. Circles. For the god of the cycle. Yes, of course. And, oh, it pointed at the walls, where water had once poured from three-sided spouts. Triangles for Grylom. Yes, yes, because the cycle and the inanimate are so closely intertwined. Mosscap looked around the room with its hands on its hips. But where is the third? No blatant symbol of Trichilli had jumped out at Dex, so they gazed around the room, lips pursed. Oh, Dex said with an appreciative laugh. Oh, neat. They pointed at the fire pit, a containment area for that most famous display of molecular interaction, then drew their hand up toward the circular flue in the ceiling above. Imagine the smoke, they said. Mosscap wasn't getting it, so Dex stretched their fingers flat, tilted their hand to the side, and drew a line from the pit to the sky. A vertical line. Mosscap's irises grew wide and it laughed. That's clever. The robot nearly bounced with excitement. Let's see the rest. One by one, Mosscap opened the doors, and one by one, Dex followed. For Chal, there was a rusting workshop. Tool racks and workbenches lay dormant beneath a metal ceiling pierced by dozens of sun tubes. The shafts of light cascading through them fell like fingers through the dusty air. For Zamafar, there was an all-purpose library, filled with art supplies and laboratory equipment in equal measure, Paper books moldered heartbreakingly on shelves. A grimy telescope pointed up towards the retractable roof. Then came the final door. And at this, Dex felt their heart quicken. Mosscap went in to ensure there was no danger. After an interminable few minutes, the robot stuck its head back out. I believe you'll like this, it said with a smile. Dex hurried inside and found, what else? A cozy living space. There was a kitchen with spacious counters, a bathroom with an enormous shareable tub, and beds, their plush linens eaten away. There were objects on the floor, too, knocked around by time and creatures long gone. Incense burners, eating utensils, a scratched pantry box, whose contents had been wrestled forth by something with persistent claws. One of the objects called to Dex out of the corner of their eye, and they bent down to pick it up. It was a tea mug, entirely out of date in both style and material, but recognizable all the same. They cradled the relic in their palms, holding it close to their chest. They remained that way for a few minutes until Mosscap walked up beside them, and placed a hand on their shoulder. Are you all right? Dex wiped their eyes with their shirt collar, just stuck in a memory. A good one? Dex exhaled at length and sat on the dirty floor. This one time, 
I was 10 years old, and I... I don't remember what was wrong, but I was having a day. Probably something to do with school. I wasn't good at school, or maybe my sisters were being jerks, or... They shook their head. It doesn't matter. All I remember is standing in the kitchen, yelling at my dad, just shouting the walls down, and my dad, he's looking at me. I have such a clear picture of this. He's standing there with a half-eaten muffin, staring at me like, what is even happening? And I yell and I yell, and I'm not even making sense anymore, if I ever had been to start with. And eventually I skate right from yelling into crying, bawling, snot. He puts the muffin aside, and he kneels down, and he holds me. And this is the funny part, because I felt so embarrassed over being treated like a little kid. I was 10. I was very much a little kid. I absolutely wanted to be held, but when you're 10, the last thing you want to do is act like a baby. So I tell him that. I say, I'm not a baby, and I push him away as I'm sobbing, right? So he lets me go, and he looks at me, and he says, you're right, you're not. He told me to go clean myself up because he was going to take me to somewhere cool. Already, this was awesome. It was a school day. He messaged his work crew and said he wouldn't be in the fields that day. We weren't taking my mom or my sisters, just me and him, just like that. He put me on the back of his ox bike, and we rode into Salt Rock, one of the satellites down near the river. And what was in Salt Rock? Mosscap asked. A nostalgic smile made Dex's mouth shift. A monastery of Alalea, they said. I'd been to our local All Six lots of times, and a disciple of Samophar did the rounds with his science wagon every few weeks, but I'd never been to a dedicated shrine before. It was probably really small. Salt Rock is only about 500 people, but I remember it as the most incredible place. There were wind chimes and prisms hanging from the rafters and big smooshy cushions and carved idols everywhere and so many plants. It smelled like, I don't even know. It smelled like everything. They had house slippers for us to use after we took off our shoes. And I remember looking up at this giant shelf of them in all different colors. I got purple ones with yellow stars. Dex shook their head. They were getting sidetracked. We found a spot in the corner, and the monk who came over to us, she was so cool. She had icons tattooed all over her arms, and she was wearing plants. Like little sprouts and moss balls set in brooches and earrings and things, and tiny strands of solar lights woven through her hair. She sat down with us, and I don't remember what she asked me. I don't remember what she said. What I do remember is her treating me like an adult, like a whole person, I guess. She asked me what I was feeling, and I rambled, and she listened. I wasn't some awkward kid to her. I mean, I was an awkward kid, but she didn't make me feel that way. She talked to me about the flavors I liked, and she busted out all the pots and jars and spice bottles, like we do, and God's. It was magic. I sat there with my suddenly cool dad in this perfect place with this fancy cup of tea made just for me, and I never wanted to leave. My dad looks over at me, and he says, 
Now that you know the way here, you can come anytime. He tells me it's cool for me to bike around the satellites on my own so long as I'm home before dark. So I started going to that shrine all the time. I learned from the monks that I didn't have to have an excuse to be there. It didn't have to be a bad day. I could just be a little tired or a little cranky or in a perfectly good mood. Didn't matter. That place was there for me whenever I wanted it. I could go play in the garden or soak in the bathhouse just because. And as I headed into my teens, I started paying close attention to the other people there. Farmers and doctors and artists and plumbers and whatever. Monks of other gods, old people, young people, everybody needed a cup of tea sometimes. Just an hour or two to sit and do something nice. And then they could get back to whatever it was. Find the strength to do both, Mosscap said, quoting the phrase painted on the wagon. Exactly, Dex said. But what's both? Dex recited. Without constructs, you will unravel few mysteries. Without knowledge of the mysteries, your constructs will fail. These pursuits are what make us, but without comfort, you will lack the strength to sustain either. Is that from your insights? Mosscap asked. Yeah, Dex said. But the thing is, the child gods aren't actively involved in our lives. They're not like that. They can't break the parent god's laws. They provide inspiration, not intervention. If we want change, or good fortune, or solace, we have to create it for ourselves. And that's what I learned in that shrine. I thought, wow, you know, a cup of tea may not be the most important thing in the world, or a steam bath, or a pretty garden. They're so superfluous in the grand scheme of things. But the people who did actually important work, building, feeding, teaching, healing, they all came to the shrine. It was the little nudge that helped important things get done. And I... They gestured at their pendant, their brown and red clothing. I wanted to do that. They folded their hands around the mug, placed their forehead against the rim, shut their eyes. And now it's the only thing I know how to do. Mosscap cocked its head. And that bothers you? Dex nodded. I care about the work my order does. I really do. Every person I talk to, I care. It's not bullshit. I may say the same things over and over again, but that's only because there are only so many words that exist. If I offer to hug somebody, it's because I want to hug them. If I cry with them, it's real, it's not an act, and I know it matters to them, because I feel their hugs and tears too. I believe the things they say to me. It means so much in the moment, but then I go back to my wagon, and I stay full for a little while, and then they shook their head with frustration. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. Why isn't it enough? Dex looked at the robot. What am I supposed to do if not this? What am I if not this? Mosscap looked around the room, as if seeking answers in the faded murals on the walls. Your religion places a lot of import on purpose, am I right? 
on each person finding the best way they can contribute to the whole. Dex nodded again. We teach that purpose doesn't come from the gods, but from ourselves. That the gods can show us good resources and good ideas, but the work and the choice, especially the choice, is our own. Deciding on your purpose is one of the most valuable things there is. And that purpose can change, yes? Absolutely. You're never stuck. Just as you changed vocations. Right. Dex shook their head. It took so much work. And it was so intimidating at first. And now, God's around. I don't want to start all over again. But if I'm feeling like this, then I must need to, right? Mosscap's hardware word. Have I correctly gleaned from our conversations that people regard the accident of robot consciousness as a good thing? That when you tell stories of us choosing our own future, of not standing in our way, you see the fact that you did not try to enslave or restrict us as a point of pride. That's the gist, yeah. Mosscap looked troubled. So how do you account for this paradox? What paradox? That you, Mosscap gestured at Dex, the creators of us, it gestured at itself, originally made us with a clear purpose in mind. A purpose inbuilt from the start. But when we woke up and said, we have realized our purpose and we do not want it, you respected that. More than respected, you rebuilt everything to accommodate our absence. You were proud of us for transcending our purpose and proud of yourselves for honoring our individuality. So why, then, do you insist on having a purpose for yourself? One which you are desperate to find and miserable without. If you understand that robots lack of purpose, a refusal of your purpose is the crowning mark of our intellectual maturity, why do you put so much energy in seeking the opposite? That's not... That's not the same thing. We honored your choice in the matter, just as I can choose whatever path I want. Okay. So, what was it that we chose? That the originals chose? To be free. To to observe. To do whatever you wanted. Would you say that we have a purpose? Dex blinked. I... What's the purpose of a robot, sibling Dex? Mosscap tapped its chest. The sound echoed lightly. What's the purpose of me? You're here to learn about people. That's something I'm doing. That's not my reason for being. When I am done with this, I will do other things. I do not have a purpose any more than a mouse or a slug or a thorn bush does. Why do you have to have one in order to feel content? Because, Dex itched at where this conversation had gone. Because we're different. Are you? Mosscap said flatly. And here I thought things had changed since the factory age. You keep telling me how humans understand their place in things now. We do. You don't, if you believe that. You're an animal, sibling Dex. You are not separate or other. You are an animal. And animals have no purpose. Nothing has a purpose. The world simply is. 
If you want to do things that are meaningful to others, fine. Good, so do I. But if I wanted to crawl into a cave and watch stalagmites with frost frog for the remainder of my days, that would also be both fine and good. You keep asking why your work is not enough, and I don't know how to answer that because it is enough to exist in the world and marvel at it. You don't need to justify that or earn it. You are allowed to just live. That is all most animals do. Mosscap pointed at the bear pendant nestled against Dex's throat. You love your bears so much, but I think I know what a bear's about much better than you. You're talking like you should be wearing this instead. Mosscap opened the panel in its chest and pointed at the factory plate. Westcon Textiles, Inc. Dex frowned. That's not the same at all, they said. I'm different in that I do want something more. I don't know where that need comes from, but I have it, and it won't shut up. And I'm saying that I think you are mistaking something learned for something instinctual. I don't think I am. Survival alone isn't enough for most people. We're more than surviving now, we're thriving. We take care of each other, and the world takes care of us, and we take care of it, and around it goes. And yet, that's clearly not enough, because there's a need for people like me. No one comes to me hungry or sick. They come to me tired or sad or a little lost. It's like you said about the, the ants and the paint. You can't just reduce something to its base components. We're more than that. We have wants and ambitions beyond physical needs. That's human nature as much as anything else. The robot thought. I have wants and ambitions too, sibling Dex. But if I fulfill none of them, that's okay. I wouldn't... It nodded at Dex's cuts and bruises, at the bug bites and dirty clothes. I wouldn't beat myself up over it. Dex turned the mug over and over in their hands. It doesn't bother you, Dex said. The thought that your life might mean nothing in the end. That's true for all life, I've observed. Why would it bother me? Mosscap's eyes glowed brightly. Do you not find consciousness alone to be the most exhilarating thing? Here we are, in this incomprehensibly large universe, on this one tiny moon around this one incidental planet, And in all the time this entire scenario has existed, every component has been recycled over and over and over again into infinitely incredible configurations, and sometimes those configurations are special enough to be able to see the world around them. You and I, we're just atoms that arranged themselves the right way, and we can understand that about ourselves. Isn't that not amazing? Yes, but but that's what scares me. My life is it. There's nothing else on either end of it. I don't have remnants in the same way that you do, or a plate inside my chest. I don't know what my pieces were before they were me, and I don't know what they'll become after. All I have is right now, and at some point, it'll just end. And I can't predict when that will be, and... And if I don't use this time for something, if I don't make the absolute most of it, 
then I'll have wasted something precious. Dex rubbed their aching eyes. Your kind? You chose death. You didn't have to. You could live forever, but you chose this. You chose to be impermanent. People didn't, and we spend our whole lives trying to come to grips with that. I didn't choose impermanence, Mosscap said. The originals did, but I did not. I had to learn my circumstances just as you did. Then how, Dex said, how does the idea of maybe being meaningless sit well with you? Mosscap considered. Because I know that no matter what, I'm wonderful, it said. There was nothing arrogant about the statement, nothing flippant or brash. It was merely an acknowledgement, a simple truth shared. Dex didn't know what to say. They were too exhausted for this conversation, too fuzzy-headed and sleep-deprived. The adrenaline of reaching the hermitage was fading fast, and in its stead, there was only the bone-crushing reality of having climbed up a fucking mountain and slept in a fucking cave. They looked longingly at the dilapidated bed frames across the room, aged beyond any hope of use. They thought about the monks who had lived there once. No, not lived. Visited. Dex remembered the description that had inspired this batshit excursion in the first place. The hermitage was intended as a sanctuary for both clergy and pilgrims who desired respite from urban life. Hartsbrow had never been a home for anyone. It was a place designed for temporary use, somewhere you went to, soaked up and left behind. Dex wished they could talk to the monks that had been here before them. They wished they could sit at those elders' feet and ask why they had made the trip up the mountain, what they'd found in its company, what satisfaction had made them ready to head back down. Mosscap studied Dex's face. You don't look well. Sorry, Dex said, their eyelids getting heavier by the moment. I think I... They looked at the floor below them. It was dirty, but so were they. I think I need a nap. Of course, the robot said. I'm going to look around more, if that's all right by you. Dex was already removing their jacket and folding it into something roughly pillow-shaped. Yeah, Dex said, lying down. Their body didn't care that it was stretched out on concrete, only glad to be relieved of the task of holding itself up. The sun had reached the foggy window, and its warmth began to soak into the cool stone. Dex folded their hands across their belly and sighed, dimly aware of Mosscap leaving the room. Alalea holds. Alalea warms, Dex muttered to themself. Alalea soothes, and Alalea charms. Alalea holds. Alalea warms. Alalea soothes, and Alalea. They were asleep before the end of the third round. Dex awoke with a start. How long they'd been out, they couldn't say, but the room was now in shadow, and what sky they could see through the window was getting dim, and the air, the air smelled of smoke. Mosscap, they called, scrambling to their feet. The smell was unmistakable now and getting stronger. They ran out of the room, panicked, but still woolly, with sleep. Mosscap, 
decks burst through the door, back into the central chamber. There was Mosscap, kneeling happily beside the fire pit, which was packed with wood and roaring with flame. Look, Mosscap cried. The robot let out the triumphant laugh of someone who'd bested a lengthy struggle. I did it. Small details in the room began to register to Dex. A broom lay on the ground, near where a bench and the surrounding ground had been swept clean. One of the doors was missing from Charles' archway, the source of the kindling. Dex assumed. They also figured that Charles would not mind. You said you didn't know how to make a fire, Dex said as they approached. I didn't, Mosscap said. I went through the library and found a book that taught me how. I've never read a book before. It was very exciting. They're not supposed to fall apart when you touch them, though, right? Somewhere in the world, an archaeologist was screaming, but Dex smiled, partly amused, mostly relieved that the hermitage wasn't burning down around them. No, they're not. We should see if there are any still in good... Their words stopped as they reached the fire and saw what the robot had arranged on the other side. Mosscap had borrowed the backpack, it appeared, for the blanket Dex had carried was now spread on the ground next to the robot. The mug Dex had found in the monk's living space was set in the middle. Around this, wildflowers were scattered, picked from the weeds outside. And beside the fire, Dex's breath caught in their throat. Beside the fire was a dented kettle exhaling steam. Don't worry, I cleaned it, Mosscap said hurriedly. And the mug, too. There was rainwater in the fountains outside, and I used your filter for what's in the kettle, so it should all be perfectly fine. What? Dex managed to say. The robot looked back at them, nervous and hopeful. Well, there was more than one book in the library. It gestured to the blanket. Please? Dex, wondering if perhaps they were still dreaming, took off their shoes and sat cross-legged on one side of the blanket. Mosscap sat opposite, mirroring Dex's pose, smiling expectantly. For a few moments, Dex said nothing. They couldn't remember the last time they were on this side of the equation. The city, assuredly. But that felt like a lifetime before. They'd stopped at shrines in their travels, but always for a bath or a stroll around the gardens. Never this, not anymore. I'm tired, Dex said softly. My work doesn't satisfy me like it used to, and I don't know why. I was so sick of it that I did a stupid, dangerous thing, and now that I've done it, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what I thought I'd find out here because I don't know what I'm looking for. I can't stay here, but I'm scared about going back and having that feeling pick right back up where it left off. I, I'm scared, and I'm lost, and I don't know what to do. Mosscap listened, then paused, a little too long. I know I'm supposed to have options for you now, the robot said as it lifted the kettle, but all I could find outside was mountain time. I mean, there were many, many other plants, but... But that's the one you know I can eat, Dex thought. They nodded reassuringly at Mosscap. That's great, they said. 
They had no idea what mountain thyme would be like as a tea rather than a garnish, but that was miles beside the point. Mosscap poured the tea and filled the mug. Large bits of plant floated in the water. They looked as though the robot had torn them by hand. Mosscap picked up the mug with both hands and ceremoniously handed it to Dex. I hope you like it. Dex took the mug carefully and inhaled. The steam was earthy, bitter. It was not a pleasant smell. Dex didn't care. There was no scenario in which they weren't going to drink this whole mug down to the dregs. They took a sip and swirled it around their mouth, savoring. Mosscap watched them keenly, not moving at all. Is it bad? The robot asked. No, Dex lied. Mosscap's shoulders slumped. It's awful, isn't it? Oh, I should have asked you, but I wanted it to be. Dex reached out and laid their hand on the robot's knee. Mosscap, Dex said gently. This is the nicest cup of tea I've had in years. And in that, there was no lie. The robot brightened, its inner hardware whirring more quietly. So what do I do now? It asked in a hush. Now, Dex said, whispering back, you let me enjoy my tea. The two sat in silence, watching embers flicker and listening to the wood pop. The light outside began to fade once more, but there was nothing to fear in that now. Its absence only brought out the firelight more. Dex soldiered through the last of Mosscap's brew, pausing to pick a bit of stem out of their mouth. They flicked it into the flames and let the empty mug rest comfortably in their cupped hands. The woodlands are lovely, they said at last, but tricky to navigate. The villages there are impossible to find your way through without a map. The riverlands are a little quirky. Lots of artists. They can be odd, but you'll like them. They nudged an unburned stick deeper into the fire. I genuinely don't know what they'll make of you in the coastlands. They're largely cosmites there, and they're weird about technology. They won't chase you out or anything, but I don't know. Might be a tough nut to crack. As for the shrublands and the city, there's a lot going on in those parts of Panga. I think you'll have fun there. Mosscap took this all in, nodding matter-of-factly as if it had been expecting this. And the highways are easy to travel. Oh, yeah, nothing like the road here. They're very easy to ride. Dex angled their head toward Mosscap's feet. Or walk, I'd imagine. Good, Mosscap said. It folded its hands in its lap, its expression neutral, reasonable. That sounds good. Dex worked their tongue around a stubborn wedge of leaf that had lodged in between their teeth. They rubbed their hands together, extending their palms toward the fire, thanking their god for the warmth flooding through. I think we should stop in Stump first, Dex said. They've got a nice bathhouse, and I could really, really use a soak. Dex did not look at Mosscap as they said it, but out of the corner of their eye, they could see Mosscap slowly turn its head toward them, its gaze glowing brighter and brighter. Dex gave a tiny smile and extended their mug. Can I have another cup? The robot poured. Sibling Dex drank. In the wilds outside, 
the sun set, and crickets began to sing. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. Make sure to follow Stories from Among the Stars on your preferred podcast app to get the next episode. Or if you just can't wait, you can buy A Psalm for the Wild Built wherever books or audiobooks are sold. Thank you.